We're continuing in the series of sermons that we started dealing with the God questions. This one today is, the, the question is, is God real? And you go, you've got to be kidding. I'm here. Uh, if I didn't believe God was real, I wouldn't have showed up this morning. My encouragement to you is this. If you leave here with a, an idea of how to explain this to someone else, <clears throat> if you leave with confidence, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> if you leave with confidence in a, being able to explain to someone else the truth, then I've accomplished what I'm trying to accomplish, and then hopefully you've been listening. The questions come in various different ways. Does God exist? Is he real? Is God knowable? Is God provable? Is probably the one that you deal with the most. Okay, I'm not sure if God exists or not exists, but can I prove it? Can you prove it? I'm going to attempt to show you some of the answers. Uh, some ways you can, some ways you can't. But uh, thank you, sir. Appreciate that. <clears throat> there is a prerequisite to answering that question because if we're going to answer the questions I brought up last week, what I call the, the bottom line questions for life, where did I come from, where am I going, and where am I going when I die, if you don't believe God is real and God is not real, you don't know that, you're not confident in that, you're going to come up with some pretty bizarre answers to those particular questions. And so when people want to know, well, what's your purpose? Why, why are you here? Why are we here? What, about when, what happens when we die? Where do we come from? You can be able to answer them because you know God is real and you can point them to the answers. Last week we said facts were more than simply something that you could prove scientifically. I will tell you right now, you cannot prove that God is real scientifically. You can't reproduce something supernatural. What we can do, and somebody calls it forensic, forensic science, we can look at the evidence. We can look at the facts. We can look at reality. And we can see what is verified. And we can eliminate many possibilities. Many thoughts, many philosophies can be eliminated simply by looking at what is around us. The Bible's clear we can do that. For example, Psalm 19 uh, tells us... the. Heavens declare the glory of God. Now, you cannot declare the glory of God if he doesn't exist, for example. So this morning, we're going to be looking at those things. I will tell you that if you're dealing with someone, maybe it's you. If you believe there is no such thing as anything supernatural, which means God is out, no amount of evidence is going to change your mind. So I encourage you. Start today. No matter who you are, no matter if you say, I believe God, kind of start from a neutral position. Does the, are, are there natural things? Are there pews here? Are there people here? Yeah, the answer is, yeah, we can see them, touch them, feel them, smell them. Well, hopefully not smell them, except their perfume. But, you know, you can, you can do all of those things. And we say, yep, yeah, that's real. Okay, we would all agree with that. But can we also... Acknowledge that there is something beyond the natural, beyond what we can sense. And if we are willing to be open to that, neutral if it were, then we can go from there. And we can set down some criteria for answering the question. Whether you believe God exists or doesn't exist, there is a level of faith that's needed. 
you need to deal with a certain set of facts, the truth, and come to conclusions. I guarantee you, if you choose to come to the conclusion that God does not exist, it requires more faith than I have. I'm going to tell you that right now. Do I understand? Can I fully explain God? The answer is no, I cannot. And I don't think you can either. I don't think anyone can. The closest we have to that is the Word of God, Jesus Christ himself, which is the ultimate, and as I already mentioned, we have the things that he has created. Now, by scientific examination of the evidence, can I prove that there is a God? Let me read you six things that I wrote down. God may not be provable by mathematical formulas, but math is not arbitrary or random. The teacher could never give you a test if it was. God may not be demonstrated through the properties of physics, but there's evidence of a design and a fixed function of everything around us. God may not be viewed through the Hubble telescope, but when we do, we recognize that what is seen through it is systematic. You may not be able to see God through the monitor of an electron scanning microscope, but the detail is beyond anything that a human being can comprehend. God may not be verifiable by the massive DNA library that's in every cell of a living thing in this world, but randomness and chaos have no better answer than God. And the sixth one, God may not be certain through our conscience, our standards of morality, our thoughts of religion, but no natural explanation can come up with anything better because there is a morality that is universal. And so we come to forensic science. What can we know by observing the facts that we see? We become cosmic detectives looking at what is there and trying to answer, does God exist? Is he real? Is he provable? And if he is, is he knowable? Has he expressed himself to us? Has he revealed himself to us? Now we're going to look, and hopefully you're at in, I'm sorry, <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. I'd like to read them because they are the basic two verses that we'll look at this morning. It says there, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Excuse me. He not only claims that he was the creator, but he says, I existed before all things. So he's supernatural. He's outside of the natural realm. So science is not going to be able to give us proof because science can only deal with the things in the natural realm. But it can eliminate, as I said, a number of things. He also says that he not only created it, but it also holds together and continues on the system that is in place, he is the one that keeps it going. 
It's why anything can be done and we can repeat it because he holds it all together. Now, the first question that we need to ask, the existence, is there a first cause? Why is there something when there should be nothing? It's the ultimate question in creation. It's the ultimate question if there's a God. Without God, science tells us, and we can prove this scientifically, nothing should exist. We know that there are a number of things that are true. We can verify them. They've been verified over and over and over and over again without exceptions. We can say that's true science. I have absolutely nothing against true science. Pseudoscience, I have all kinds of problems because it makes assumptions they can't prove. Real science is predictable, it's repeatable, you can verify it over and over and always comes up the same. One of the things that we know is that something always comes from something else. There is no exception to that. Things do not magically simply appear. Maybe beyond our comprehension at times, it may surprise us, all kinds of things may happen. But everything comes from something. There has to be a first cause. Now, there are only three possible answers that I know of to that question. Why is there something when there, isn't, when there should be nothing? But let's do something first. Let's look at four laws that no scientist disagrees with. You shouldn't disagree with these either because they perfectly fit the Bible. It's thermodynamics. You don't need to remember any of this. You simply need to understand a couple of concepts. First of all, you'll notice the word heat keeps coming up. Think of heat this way up in the little corner. It says heat in the form of gas, liquid, or solid. That's all that matters. The example that helps me the best, if I took a brand new candle and put it here, that is potential heat. It's in the form of a solid. Unless it's lit, though, it's not giving off that heat, transferring that heat. That's what we're talking about here. doesn't matter what form it is. It could be matter or energy. The first law, and by the way, they call it the zero. I'm sorry, not the first law, the zero law. Because that one, they already had the three other laws, and then they realized they missed one, went back, and so they didn't know what to do, so they gave it the zeroth law. Uh, it simply says that if two things are equal, there's no heat flow. We know that. Think about your house. If it's the same temperature inside and outside, there's no heat going back and, through, through, back and forth through the wall. That's all you need to know. The first law of thermodynamics says heat, matter or energy, cannot be created nor destroyed. It's there. We know that. I already mentioned that before. We can't make anything from nothing. It doesn't work. It's never been proven. The second law says that every time heat changes its form, it loses its ability, some of its ability, to do work. Last night, uh, I'm on vacation, just in case anybody doesn't know that, uh, down at Mount Gretna. So I just came down to preach this sermon, and I'm going to, or this sermon's this morning, I'm going back on vacation. But the truth is, last night, I was watching uh, Modern Marvels on the History Channel, and they had... Decade after decade, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s, and then I went to bed. I don't know if they had the 2000s or not, but anyway, I went to bed. And each decade, they were saying all the new things that were 
uh, invented during that uh, decade and how they changed life and those kinds of things. It was a kind of interesting to think back about the things I didn't have when I was a kid that are taken for granted today. But one of the things, and I believe it was the 80s, was a big deal was the Super Bowl. People thought that thing was kind of out of this world. Except that the Super Bowl really bounces. And it's regular tire rubber with extra sulfur. And then I found that out. I was paying attention. I was actually studying for my sermon. I'm like, that's a good illustration for the second law. Now, that ball bounces back very well. But it only bounces back 92%. So it's not perpetual. But it comes back 92%. So if you drop it from here, it'll come to here. 92%. That's it. That's the second law of thermodynamics. It, every time it changes, it has a little less energy. Eventually, the thing will flop on the ground and it's done. And the third law is that 100% efficiency is not possible. That's supernatural. And it doesn't work. In this life, thermodynamics works. The first way that people have explained, and you need to know this simply because <clears throat> we're going to look at the possible answers of how there is something when there should be nothing. As we already looked at, it says that God says that he created it all. Now, the first possible answer is a steady state theory. It simply says there is something because there is something. Now, you can go a lot of different directions with that. You, uh, essentially, it says that matter and energy always existed. At that point, if you don't catch this, you realize that matter and energy have become God. They are supernatural. They're self-existing, the same as describing God. So you can say this world is completely naturalistic. The only problem is it violates the first law of thermodynamics. It says matter is neither created nor destroyed, so it still says it had to come from somewhere. We know that scientifically. So we can eliminate that one. The famous one today is the one that is called the Big Bang Theory. It simply says there was nothing, or the ones that are honest, almost nothing. Then there was a singularity. Now, I never heard that word before, but I did a lot of research for this sermon. And a singularity is simply everything was put together and all time and space was in the core of a very small, very hot, very dense, whatever, singularity. It was all stuffed in there. And then there was expansion. Now, they call it the Big Bang. They say, no, it wasn't an explosion. It was an expansion. And... 13.7 billion years later, what you see is what came from that. Now, there's some problems. First of all, it also violates the first law of thermodynamics. It has a problem because it still says something came from nothing. Many, many years ago, I was a relatively new Christian. My wife was working with a young man who thought he was an intellectual. And he wanted to know about what, I guess, Faye had been witnessing to him. So Faye said, why don't you go talk to him? So I did. And he says, well, I don't understand where we came from, how the world got here. And, you know, I don't know if there is a God. So I asked him a couple of questions. I said, well, where do we come from? Well, the Big Bang. 
I said, okay, tell me about the Big Bang. And he said what I just described to you. And I said, okay, where did that super dense, super hot singularity, I didn't know that word then, that's a cool word, isn't it? It's everything all in one. Where did that come from? He said, oh, there were swirling gases. And those swirling gases condensed down. I don't hear anybody saying this anymore, by the way, because they know it. It's kind of goofy, but these swirling gases just kept compacting until they came to the singularity. I said, oh, that's interesting. Where did the gases come from? And it stopped him in his tracks, and he goes, well, well, maybe God created them. (laughs) No, he didn't want to admit. But here's what it comes down to. Anyone that's scientifically real, deals with scientific facts, says something comes, I mean, anything comes from something. Anything that we have now came from something else. And you have to come down to the first one. It's supernatural matter and energy, supernatural. Or you come back to that there is a supernatural something. Can't prove it's the God of the Bible at this moment, but something above and beyond what we can see, what we can test. And so, uh, as um, National Geographic said years ago, it's the ultimate free lunch. But they also admitted that when we go over the next hill, those that believe that we came from almost nothing might understand that the religious people were right all along or something along that line. The truth is, the Big Bang still requires a supernatural beginning. Now, the cool thing about this Big Bang, and I will tell you, whole parts of the Christian church have accepted the Big Bang as this is God's way of doing things. Well, yeah, there has to be a beginning, but God did it this way. Well, the truth is, that's not what the Bible says. They say they believe the Bible, but at the same time, they say believe the Big Bang. You can't go both directions. The only thing that's similar between the Big Bang and what the Bible says in First Corinthians, I mean Colossians chapter one verse sixteen, is that the universe had a beginning. It all had an instant beginning. What we see around us had an instant beginning. I agree with that part of the Big Bang, instant beginning. But I believe it's what God said. So I said to that young man, back to my story. Oh, so. Possibly God did it, and you believe God did it through the Big Bang. Yes. I said, well, let me show you something different. If indeed God had anything to do with it, and he has revealed himself at all, maybe we ought to look at the way he says he did it, not the way you think he did it. The truth is, that's what it comes down to. There had to be something supernatural, because there is something when there should be nothing. I believe the only way you can answer that is supernaturally. Someone or something above and outside of the natural did it. I've looked at a lot of things in my life and only one thing fully describes that. And that's the word of God. We could look at verse after verse that deals with God creating. By the way, I forgot to use this slide, but this shows what they believe it looked like in the Big Bang and it keeps expanding and all that. I don't know if that's true or not. But God created and there was something. 
Because he spoke it into existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It goes on to say many other places that, for example, in the Ten Commandments, for six days God made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. There's no doubt there had to be something outside the normal. You could say, I don't know. And that would be a legitimate answer. I don't know. But don't tell me that it was just there or it came from almost nothing because that's not scientific. I spent uh, probably two hours on a website yesterday that was totally secular. And it was scientists against evolution. You know what? Not a mention of God in there. But all they said is all this evolution, Big Bang stuff, it is absolutely unscientific. I've known that all along, but it was kind of interesting to see it one more time. Now, <clears throat> let's look at a second thing. This one will include a number of different things, and I'm going to go through them rather quickly. But the nature of the way things are. Not that we have nature. That's the first point. This is how do things work around us? Is there order? Is there design? I know of nothing that has order and design because there was randomness and chaos. I used to have a garden. I hate to tell you, my kids hated weeding the garden. I didn't like it much better. That garden used to look like a ragweed patch after a while. There was never a year that it weeded itself, got rid of the bugs, none of that. In fact is, it always went to randomness and got worse. It never got better. I finally got tired of it and planted grass. All I have to do is mow that now. But it's, we look around us, and no matter where you look, there's complexity. There's systematic. There are things that are repeatable. There are things that work because something else works. They are contingent. That's a word you might want to remember. Contingent simply means dependent and conditional. Be kind of goofy if I said, oh, I'm a pastor of a church and nobody ever showed up. <laughs> I could try to fool myself, but it's kind of goofy. Well, there are a lot of things in this world that without a whole lot of other things, they simply can't exist. We'll talk about that. But they're contingent. They work together. And when you take one part of out, of out of it, the whole thing doesn't work. You could talk about your car and how great it is and how pain, the, the paint is shiny and the wheels are good and the tires are grippy and the transmission works great and the windshield's not cracked. But if there's no engine, your car's not going anywhere, folks. Unless you're Fred Flintstone, it's not going anywhere, and then you're the engine. I mean, let's face it. You've got to have the whole to make anything work. And that is the world we live in. So again, can, does design and order prove there's a God? No, but when you look at it, you, have to be, you can eliminate a whole lot of other things. Now, first of all, there are a couple of explanations for why there's order in design. Why the nature works the way it does. You can say, well, chaotic elements uh, ordered themselves into complex information systems. And everything works the way it's supposed to. Cells work and all that kind of stuff. You can say that um, all these things are simply an accident, a result of the Big Bang. You can do that also. The problem is, 
a big bang doesn't give order. It just throws things around. doesn't still answer that. But I do believe there is an answer. It has to come from outside of the normal. It's got to be supernatural. And that is what the Word of God says. But chemicals react in the same way over and over again. Mathematical formulas react, are, are, are always the same. The natural laws of this uh, planet, this universe, are unalterable. We just can't alter them. Science is still striving to understand even how they work. But they can't alter them. They stay the same. <clears throat> and so there are basic assumptions that we can go by. And they are logical, they're orderly, and they're imposed. They're the natural laws of this world. Notice it says uh, in the passage we looked at before, and I think I have it there. It, it says, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The, passage, uh, the, the ver- words I want to look at today are, hold together. They're established, they're consistent, they're forms, they stand together. That didn't happen on its own. There is nothing, no matter how many years you put there, how many billions of years you put there, it still doesn't happen. It won't happen. God makes it clear that these are things that show His glory. For example, the heavens... Showing his glory. A couple of things that people have said happened by themselves is biogenesis. Now, you don't even need to know what that word is. These are big words. Simply this. Life came from non-life. doesn't happen. It violates the second law of thermodynamics. It's uh, because if something gets more complex by that, that law, it's going to have more heat. Heat never flows from cold to warm. Even the law of thermodynamics, which are unalterable, says life could not arise from non-life. And even if there was something that started, it would break down because the heat would flow away from it and break down before it could, could accomplish anything. Now, you don't need to know all that. It's just this. When you look at science, science says It didn't do it to itself. It couldn't do it to itself. It had to be something more. Ultimately, you know where this goes. The ultimate answer is God has revealed himself. There is a God who is above and beyond the natural. He's supernatural. And he alone is the one that did this. How about the encoding of of the DNA? Do not. Please do not be fooled by simple life. Some of the smallest one-celled organisms in this world have more DNA uh, coding than we do. It's amazing. Just because it's small doesn't mean it's simple. How in the world, even even if life could have formed, which it couldn't have, how could it reproduce it and pass it on? That's what DNA does. How about chemistry? There are certain things that we can see over and over again. Water is a real good example of this. Water is different than everything else. It's the most abundant uh, chemical in the whole world. It has some properties nothing else does. Most things, when they are frozen, as they get colder, they contract. 
We know that. We use that for various things in, in mechanics to make things fit together. We make them cold so they'll fit and then they'll expand. Ice expands. has six sides and it has an air pocket in the middle. It floats. It rises to the top. So when a lake freezes or a pond freezes, the fish don't die because the ice comes to the top. Otherwise, they'd all die. They'd be frozen to death. It is just so different. It's chemically neutral. It absorbs all kinds of things. It has a surface tension, unlike almost anything else, which makes it possible for it to go to the top of a 150-foot tree from down at the roots and go uphill. It has surface tension. Those are things that are not altered. They're there. How'd they get there? They didn't do it on themse- of themselves. God had to do it. How about the laws of physics, which simply says, here are how things interact with each other. And these things simply don't change. How energy is transported. If, you, if that changes all the insulation technology we have in the world, we're going to have to change it every now and then as that changes. It doesn't work that way. How about math? There are things in math as they say this is universal, it's above and beyond, no matter what kind of creation there would be or who created it, these things would always be true. Two and two equals four. It's just the way it is. How about logic? These are things that you put things together. And that's what we're talking about this morning. God is logical. He is rational. He's also above that beyond that. But he is the one that gave the rational, logical processes that we see in the world today. They did not form on their own. It's not possible for that to happen. And then the last one, and I'm going to make this very quick, is irreducible complexity. Evolution says that things went from simple to complex. Most things in this world would have to be, by design, eliminated if you believe in natural select, chance and natural selection. Mutation, chance, natural selection. Because an unformed part would be weeded out before it could ever become part of the whole. It's something, we all know these things. A part, of it, a part of something that's made is just something you trip over until you can actually use it for something. It would be eliminated uh, in the process. God is the one that gave complexity from the very, very beginning. There had to be a God. There had to be someone that's supernatural. One last thing we want to look at, that science hasn't a clue. They'll actually admit this one. What about the mind? What about morality? You see, I'm not a surgeon. You can be glad I'm not. But I could open up your head, and I could see that you have a brain in there. That still tells me absolutely nothing about the thinking process. just tells me there's a bunch of gray matter in there. It tells me there's something organic there. It needs blood and all those kinds of things. Uh, but it doesn't tell me how you think the direction that you're going to take and the will that you have and and the choices you make. It doesn't. There's something there that's matter, but at the same time there's something above and beyond that that 
really cannot be tested. And then what about morality? There's a morality that goes around the world. There is no known society, I don't care if it's the smallest tribe in the world, where you can at will take someone else's life without retribution. I don't know of a place where there isn't stealing. And if you take something that doesn't belong to you, and and the the rules may be slightly different, but if you take something that doesn't belong to you, you're going to pay a price for that. You see, there are morality that are above and beyond even what the Bible says. The Bible codifies it, makes it very clear. But how do you come from the Big Bang or from nothing? And, And you have morality. It doesn't make any sense. And it's universal. Only the concept of a real, knowable God answers these questions. Nothing else will do. It must be supernatural. And if there is a God, and He created us, and the universe around us, He has already begun to reveal Himself, that He exists, and He has an opinion. And if He has revealed Himself, and He has specially revealed Himself, example, the Bible, would it be not good for us to pay attention to what the Creator has to say? We belong to Him. He created us. We are His possession. Would it not be good to pay attention to what He has to say to us? And that's exactly what the Word of God says. You see, you cannot scientifically prove that God exists. But in Romans chapter 2, it says... The Gentiles, those that don't have the law. It says that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience. We don't know what it looks like. We know it's a brain there, and we know that it has to do with thinking process, but we don't know what conscience looks like. But it tells us a right way and a wrong way, good things and bad things. You did not teach your children conscience. First time... They hid something behind their back. The first time they, they tried to get away with something. You didn't teach them that, but they knew it. They knew right and wrong because God has a conscience. It's a part of that image of God that he has left that's tarnished, of course, but it's still there. It says their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. That is something that's supernatural. And yes, indeed, God has revealed himself. Is this an act of faith? Because that's what it is. Well, that's faith. We believe in science. They're right. It is an act of faith. But faith is always based on the truth, the evidence, the facts, what is actual, what you can see. Science says these things can't happen. Literally, Good science says they cannot happen. They're not possible. And yet, they have the faith to believe in what science says can't happen. Whether it's something from nothing, it's life from nothing, from, from non-life, whatever it happens to be, they have more faith than I'll ever have. Who made God? He is self-existing, transcendent above and beyond and outside of creation. Do I understand that? The answer is no, I do not. 
But I got to tell you, it makes all, it's not unscientific because the supernatural is beyond the scientific. And yes, it's an act of faith. No doubt about it. But it's an act of foolish faith to believe something that you can prove over and over again doesn't work. You know, water doesn't run uphill, but you can believe that if you want. It's kind of foolish, but you got to do a whole lot of things to make it go uphill. It doesn't naturally do that. But God has revealed himself. He has indeed given us his instruction manual, the word of God. And on top of that, he's given us one more thing. Well, two more things. The world around us, true science, observation, repeatability, all of those things. And he's also given us Jesus Christ, a historical figure who we know rose from the dead. That's not scientific either. It's supernatural. I challenge you, if you've never trusted Christ, he's the only one. He fully reveals God. That's the bottom line. Science says there had to be a God. There had to be something supernatural. He proved God. He just says, had to be there. We can't prove it, though. It's an act of faith. Faith in something that doesn't work or faith in something way beyond us. I know which one I choose. I choose the one that's way beyond us, the supernatural. It has been revealed to us in the world around us, in the Word, and in the living Word, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that died for our sins as Missy was singing. He's the one that paid the price of our sin. Sin's what messed this world up, messed us up. We can trust him. We are sinners. He's the Savior. And we, by an act of faith, need to trust him. When you trust Jesus Christ, you are trusting the existence of God. And more than that, his love and his care for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you're a God that is above and beyond. You are supernatural. And Lord, while science cannot prove it, we know that it's an act of faith. Either you exist or you don't exist. There are no alternatives. And Lord, the evidence forensically shows that there's a creator, a designer, above and beyond anything in this natural world. Lord, I pray that through Jesus Christ, we would come to know him personally, to be able to live for him and enjoy his presence forever. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with God.